Mark 6, 45. And straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and go to the other side before Bethsaida, while he sent away the people. And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. And when even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. And, when he, and he saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. But when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit and cried out. For they all saw him and were troubled. And immediately he talked with them and saith unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And he went up unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased. And they were sore amazed in themselves, beyond measure and wonder. For they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. Now go to John chapter 6. Same account, just a... Uh, if, if, uh, if we were to witness an accident outside, um, and they interviewed us and gave us... Have we had to give our statements. We would, we would describe the same thing, but we would all describe it a different way. And so that's what we have in the Gospels. This is the same account written by a different man and a different perspective. And so this is John chapter 6, verse 16. And when even was now come, his disciples went down into the sea, and it entered into a ship and went over the sea toward Capernaum. And it was now dark, and Jesus was not come to them. And the sea arose by reason of a great wind that blew. And so when they had rowed about five and twenty or thirty furlongs, they see Jesus walking on the sea and drawing nine to the ship, and they were afraid. But he saith unto them, It is I, be not afraid. Then they willingly received him into the ship, and immediately the ship was at the land whither they went. And again, a strange strange title of Row the Boat, but I thought about this since Wednesday night. We brought this up Wednesday night. Uh, but here we have an account um, that happened shortly after um, Jesus had fed 5,000 people, uh, at least 5,000 people. Those were men. Uh, most, most commentators that are learned in, in that culture and in that time uh, think that there were at least 10,000 people. I've seen estimates up even to 20,000. Uh, but there were at least 5,000 men. Uh, so they had just fed, uh, and, and, and the, the Scripture says that Jesus took uh, the, the, the meal that one little boy had. That's all they had to eat, was one meal for one little boy. And He turned that into uh, such a feast that they fed at least 5,000 men uh, and then gathered up what remained, and there were 12 baskets full that remained. And so those apostles had taken those 12 baskets, I'm satisfied, uh, but, uh, with them. Uh, but, but the thing being that when the, when the people saw the miracle that Jesus did, uh, they were going to take Him, according to John's Gospel, by force and make Him a king. The other writers don't say that. Uh, but John does. And so they, uh, they were finally thought, they realized that this is that prophet uh, that Moses wrote about all those years ago. Uh, that we've been waiting for thousands of years. Generations had came and died and another one had came and died for thousands of years up until this point with that prophecy of Moses. And they realized this is that man that should come into the world. Uh, but he came in a way that they didn't understand. 
And so they were going to take him by force and make him a king to get them out from under the thumb of Rome. Uh, but Christ received that. And he didn't want to be a king like that. And now mark you, he is a king. As a matter of fact, he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. But his kingdom is not of this world. And so they were going to make him to be a king. And at that time the Lord instructed his apostles to get into a ship and to sail over the Sea of Galilee. John calls it the Sea of Tiberias because John's Gospel was written much later. Uh, but at the time of the other Gospel writers, it was known only as the Sea of Galilee. But it's the same body of water. Uh, so Jesus told those apostles, now this is important, you get into the ship. Mark said that He constrained them. In other words, He, he instructed them, compelled them, constrained them, I told them in certain terms, this is what I want you to do. Uh, you be obedient unto my voice and you get in the ship and you sail on. Uh, they didn't know how or when the Lord would meet up with them, but they were doing exactly, now that's important later on, they were doing exactly what He told them to do. Uh, meanwhile, our Lord went up into a mountain by Himself and he just tried to pray. Uh, this had happened uh, once upon a time before, uh, as we're going to see or get into this, but there was a time before this uh, that uh, that our Lord... Now these apostles, lots of them were fishermen, at least four. They knew their way around the boat. They knew their way around the sea. Uh, they had been out on the stormy nights before. Uh, there was one night in particular that, uh, that Jesus was tired and weary and He was with them in the ship and, and a great tempest, the Scripture says, came upon that boat uh, and He was asleep in the hindermost part of the ship. And so they went down and shook Him and said, Master, do you not care that we're dying? Do you not care that we perish? Is how they phrased it. And He simply spoke up. He rose up and said to them, O ye of little faith. And He spoke to the wind and the sea, Peace be still. And there was a great calm. And the men marveled, those apostles, and they said, What manner of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey Him? But it was okay that time because He was with them in the ship. Now keep that in mind. Uh, this time was different than that time. Uh, this time He had instructed them, constrained them, it said, uh, to get into the ship and go to the other side. And when they started on their journey, it was smooth sailing. Uh, there's a lots of times in your life uh, you're going to have smooth sailing. And it was smooth all the way up into the point when it changed. Uh, and we're living in a culture right now. Uh, when I was growing up, it was so different. Uh, it, I mean, we were always as God's people. Uh, we were always not of this world. Uh, in the world, but not of the world. Uh, but back then, that's not been that long ago, folks. Uh, but it's, uh, it was different back then in that there wasn't uh, an open hostility to those that believed. Uh, I mean, if you wanted to go to church, people were okay with that. Uh, but now all of a sudden, we're in a culture uh, we we. Uh, we <laughs> In America, you don't realize how good that we've got it. I've said this a lot, but if you are alive in 2023 in America, God has blessed you tremendously and immensely. It's not like this in other places of the world, but even in our little parcel of land that God has given us, we're beginning to hit choppy waters. And here's the thing, remember, this wasn't like what happened to Jonah. Jonah found himself in a similar situation 
situation one time, but that was different because God was telling Jonah to go to Nineveh and preach, and Jonah instead disobeyed. Jonah ended up on a ship in a stormy sea because of disobedience. And you can mark her down if you are disobedient unto the Lord and Savior. There is chastisement even among His own people. You will suffer for that. You will not only suffer, but you know what Jonah found out as he was asleep in the boat? The Bible says in Jonah chapter 1, a great tempest blew and beat upon that ship and men tried to cast things over and tried to lighten their load and Jonah was asleep. It said men were calling out upon their gods and Jonah was asleep. And then the ship's captain or the ship master came and woke him up and he said, Oh sleeper, what meanest thou? Arise and call upon your God. And they said, Who are you anyway? And Jonah said, I'm a man that fears the God that created the sea and the dry land. And I'm scared and I'm going down. I'm I'm running away from the presence of the Lord and I'm going to Tarshish and Joppa instead of of Nineveh. And, And Jonah found out in that day his disobedience put other people in peril. And you can mark her down. Your sin, this has nothing to do with this, but it's... I'm going to put it out. Your sin hurts more than yourself if you are living in willful disobedience unto the Lord and you know when you are, you are putting other souls in danger. And jeopardy. Amen. That's right. We don't want to understand that. I don't want to believe that in today's time. I promise you, if you look at daddies in this land, daddies in this land have put their family in a very, very horrible position across the globe and across our land just because they're not teaching and instructing their kids in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. They're not there when they're born. They're not there when they're being raised. They're not there when they reach adulthood. And we're seeing how that plays out. Your sin affects more than just you. It puts other people in harm's way. And so those people, now, they said, why have you done this? And they said, what can we do? What can we do because we're going to die out here? And Jonah realized it's me. And he said, you've got to cast me out. And now that's one thing. And you can and you will get into stormy waters and stormy seas by disobeying disobeying the Lord. It said in Jonah, the men tried hard to bring that ship. It said they rode hard to bring that ship to land and they could not. A sinner friend, let me tell you, if you've never been saved, the storm that will come upon you, you cannot bring that ship to shore. You cannot do it. They had to completely surrender into the wind and surrender to the Lord and cast Jonah over. And then a great calm. But this was different than Jonah. These apostles were exactly where God had instructed them to go. I mean, they didn't understand it. I didn't understand why He sent them away. I didn't understand why and he stayed behind. All they knew is that without a shadow of a doubt, uh, their master and Lord told them to get into the boat and they got in the boat. And it was smooth sailing uh, for a while. Uh, that boat uh, sailed them across the water different times, but this time was different. Uh, this time uh, they got part of the way across 
And Galilee's not a great big place, maybe about eight miles across in most places. And so they got out their little piece, and then came the storm, uh, then came the wind, uh, then came the rain, uh, then came the trouble. Uh, you can mark this down. Uh, God has blessed us at Lafayette over the last few months. We've uh, increased. He has increased our figure or our fold and our numbers. Uh, he's increased the church. He's, uh, we've baptized many. We've, uh, we've, uh, we've transferred from other uh, church memberships many. And, and so God is blessing us. Uh, but let me warn you, everything's going good right now. I mean, we're in unity and everything's going fine. Uh, let me tell you this, and I'll just throw this in here and park a minute. Uh, when things are going like they are here, uh, you know who takes notice of that? Uh, the devil himself uh, takes notice of that. And he'll begin to try everything that he can uh, to cause discord among you and discord among me. Uh, he'll circle this church and if we allow him to come in, he'll slip right in our midst uh, and begin to sow discord among the brethren. I uh, begin to say and to do this and that. I uh, begin to point the fingers at your brothers and sisters, especially as we're trying our best as a church to, uh, to bring forth discipline that's been lacking uh, since I've been here anyway. That's my fault. And now we bring discipline. And in doing that, uh, sometimes even though it's the right thing to do, uh, sometimes that can cause a church to go through uh, some troubled waters. Uh, and I'm not going to get her talking about all of that. Uh, but let me just say this while I'm here. I realize Lafayette, how long before I I ever showed up four and a half years ago has had rocks thrown at you and you've endured it. You've kept rowing. Could I encourage you today? Just keep rowing the boat. There's no place to go back to. You see, those apostles, they could have said this. I'm sure it went through their mind. I'm sure the first storm they ever encountered when the Lord was with them and the boat went through their mind. And I'm sure they thought and probably even said among themselves this time different. Uh, uh, the last time he was with us in the boat, uh, uh, the last time he was there and he was here, uh, he stood up and rebuked the sea and rebuked the wind. And what manner of man is this? Uh, but this time is different. Uh, this time he's not with us. I'm sure they thought that. I'm sure they did. But you see what they didn't realize? He was on a mountain watching them the whole time. He knew exactly where they were at. Mark says he saw them toiling and rowing. He saw them. Those apostles could have turned around and they could have went back to shore. You know the thing about a rowboat? You can't see what's in front of you. All you can see is you're rowing. You're rowing and you're going backwards. You can't see. I have no idea what the future holds. All I can do is look out on the past. And so they could see where they started from. They could see that land. And it probably thought within themselves, we ought to turn around. We're not that far out here. We could make it back to land. We could go back to where he's at. But then they thought, no, we can't. Why? Because he told us to go to the other side. I want you to keep that in mind. Sometimes even doing what the Lord directs you to do and commands you to do, 
Sometimes even in doing that, uh, you're going to face adversity. As a matter of fact, uh, I could say most times uh, that you stand on what's right and stand on what's true. Uh, you're going to face absolute adversity. Uh, you're going to face storms. Uh, you're going to face rages. Uh, you're going to. I can show you in Revelation uh, the sea. I believe it was the Sea of Galilee, uh, but Revelation refers to a sea of humanity. It refers to the sea that there shall be no more sea. Uh, what's that talking about? Uh, later on, I think in chapter 17 of Revelation, you know what it calls the sea? It says the sea are the multitudes and the peoples and the nations. Uh, so he describes in the book the sea as being people. Uh, you can mark her down and uh, you start serving the Lord. Uh, those people about you, and they're going to get to raging against you. And you're going to face trouble. And this time they thought isn't like the first time. He's not with us. We can't see Him. Can I tell you something today? I can't see Him. But He can see you. And He knows exactly what you're going through in your life. And you might say, I've never faced any adversity. I've never faced many storms. That's good. But can I just warn you? I promise you, Somewhere between here and heaven, you're going to sail through rough waters. It's going to happen. You're going to sail through things. And there are times that I can say, He was with me and I stood there like those apostles the first time and watched Him calm the sea and calm the storm, feeling His presence with me the whole time. But then there have been other times in my life. You see what the Scripture said in John. It said the night time came. It's one thing to sail the sea in the bright of the day, in the Sunshine. It's one thing to be able to see the world about you. Uh, to look behind you and see in the future. Know exactly your journey. And know exactly where you're going. Uh, but what happened on this trip uh, was different because nighttime came. Uh, they wouldn't, it wasn't dark when they got in the ship. Uh, but they got out there and what did John say? Night came and he had not come to them. He had not come to them. Even though it was dark. There's a lot of times in my life that I've had to say, where are you? And before you think too badly of me for that, you read the Psalms. You read what David wrote. One day David's writing it this way, that the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man can do to me. The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. You can find even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. Other times that same man writes, why hast thou forsaken me? Where are you. And there's a lot of things that's happened in my life and probably yours too. And that on this side of eternity, I will never understand. I will never understand. I'll say that one more time. I will never understand on this side why we have to go through the stormy waters that we go through. Especially when it's dark. Especially when He's not with us on the boat. Especially when we're not disobeying. When we're doing exactly what He told us to do. And you and the fan have had rocks thrown at you. I'll say this, you just keep rowing your boat. Just row the boat. There's nowhere else to go. All I know to tell you is just to hold on. Those apostles were out there. John said they were 25 or 30 furlongs 
uh, they were three or four miles from land. Now that means if the, if, the, if the Sea of Galilee is eight miles across and they were three or four miles, they were about halfway to get to where they wanted to be. Just about halfway there. And they had rowed all night long. Now the Gospels and, and the other places, if you overlay them and take a bird's eye view and look down and overlay those Gospels, you find out how those apostles had been rowing and coiling for about eight hours. I mean, they started out and then the night time came and then the winds came and then the waters came and began to beat on them. They were out there by themselves. They were out there in the dark. They were out there all alone. They didn't know where their Lord was. They didn't know where their Master was. They didn't know where their Savior was. But the whole time He was watching them from afar away. He's on the mountain today and we're on the sea. That's just the way it is. It didn't mean that He didn't love them. It don't mean He don't love you. But let me tell you this before I forget. You see, you that have never had adversity, you have a picture of your Lord and Savior. You have, but it's a different picture. You've got a wonderful picture. You've got Him as a Savior and a Lord and a Master. But let me just say this. Except you've ever been out on a deep, dark, stormy sea. Except you've ever looked around at the winds and the waves. Uh, what happened there? Uh, they were out there coiling and rowing. I mean, with everything they had, uh, He told us to get to the other side. I don't know how we're going to make it through this. Uh, but you know what they did? Uh, they kept rowing the boat. Uh, just keep rowing the boat. Uh, and row the boat. Uh, and row the boat. We're facing a culture uh, that is extremely hostile uh, to our churches. Uh, we're facing other churches uh, that are getting extremely hostile to this church. And I'll say to you in Lafayette, you just keep rowing the boat. God is blessing us in what we're doing here. And lest we forget that and want to turn around, let me tell you this, God's put us in this boat and we need to row it. Until He comes, we need to row the boat. And that's what they did. What else could they do? They rowed with how they were tired. Eight hours of that. I understand they were fishermen. I understand they were more physically fit than me. I understand it wasn't anything much. But they had to be getting tired. They had to be tired. They had to be wet. They had to be scared. They had to be cold. But the only thing they could do until He came to them was keep rowing the boat. And so that's all we can do. Let's keep rowing this boat. We are on the ark. We are on the ship of Zion. And we need to be rowing the boat. Your church and this church has faced and will continue to face what seems to be insurmountable odds. What seems to me at times there's not a way out. But what happened that night as they kept rowing, the Bible said that Jesus saw them afar off. He saw them out there in the midst of the sea. He saw them from the place He was on the mountain and all of a sudden he did what no man had ever done he began to walk on the water and there's a song that McCain he sang it said remember when waves are over your head they're under his feet 
You think about that. Uh, the same waves that'll crash down on top of you, He walks on top of them. Uh, when they're over your head, uh, they're under His feet. And the Bible said He came to them. And when He came to them, He found them row, rowing and toiling. Uh, they hadn't stopped. Uh, they hadn't given up. Uh, but He came to them and they saw Him and said, It's a spirit. And they began to cry out. And He said, Don't be afraid. It's me. I've come to you. Uh, let me tell you this. Uh, that's when, according to Matthew's Gospel, Peter got out of the boat. And there for a short period of time, uh, Peter became the second man in history and the only other one, save our Lord, to ever walk on the water. If you ever want to walk on water, you have to get out of the boat. And there are times He calls you to do just... Now when Peter got out, the sea wasn't calm. It was still raging. But what was different? This time He had His eyes fixed on His Master. But before that, when He couldn't see the Lord, when He couldn't see all he had to do is keep rowing. I'll tell you today, whatever storm and adversity you're going through today, keep rowing the boat. He's coming for you. You see what happened? It said when he came, he was going to keep on walking by them. And they constrained him. And they willingly, it said, received him into the ship. And as soon as they received him into the ship, now they had been rowing eight hours. And remember, they were just now in the middle of the lake. They were just now in the middle of the sea. But what did John say? He said as, um, as soon as they received him willingly into their ship and that immediately it was at the land uh, that they were trying to reach. Uh, can I tell you that's a miracle? Uh, can, I don't know what happened. I don't believe they had to row. Uh, there's times that you go through storms. Uh, there's times that you don't think you're going to survive. Uh, there's times that you wonder where is he? I've been through some dark things. I've been through physical things. I've been through health things. I've been through financial things. And can I tell you probably all of those pale into comparison as the mental warfare that Satan has waged on me. I'm telling you, I don't know of a pastor alive today that's not struggled with anxiety and depression. Far too often we feel like those apostles out there in the middle of the lake, out there in the middle of the sea, and the storms come, and you got people complaining, and other people complaining, and they're complaining about opposite things, and you can't make both sides happy, and so you feel all alone out there in the midst of the sea and you try to preach you try to serve the Lord and I'm sure the disciples thought I could understand if this storm came on me because of disobedience but it came when I was following your orders exactly how you gave them to me and so I don't understand the wise. I don't understand why some of you we went and saw Ethan and Sarah and Noah this week. I don't understand why they had such a hard time at bringing a child into this world. I mean, he's a man of God. She's a woman of God. They serve God. Some of you have faced similar adversities and bearing your children till the day I die. I will never understand that. But I promise you, there is a reason and there is a purpose. You that have never 
never faced adversity. I started to say this while ago. You have a picture of your Lord and your Master, and it's a true one, and it's a good one. But my friend, there is something different about those of us who've been on a stormy sea. I sat in a therapist's office for nearly two years. I despaired even of my very life. I mean, it was the deepest, darkest hole I've ever been in. And to try to get up and preach on Sunday and go to one of those appointments in the week, it was hard to row the boat then. I mean, it was hard. It was a struggle that I did not understand and still don't. But let me tell you this before I forget it. I better say it. You that have never experienced anything like that you have never saw your Lord walking on the sea to come and find you. You never saw that side of Him. And I tell you, that's a special sweet sign that when the storms are raging around you and you think you forgot that you see we serve a Master and a Lord. Uh, you say, He don't know how I feel. Yes, He does. And do you not think our Savior uh, was gripped with anxiety and depression as He knelt down and began to pray an intercessory prayer in John 17. Uh, Lord, He said, I'm coming to You. He said, I've kept everybody that You've given Me. I've kept them. He said, while I've been in this world, I've kept them. He said, but now I'm no longer in this world. I'm coming to You. And He said, Lord, I want You to keep them. Now what was He saying? He knew what Peter was about to do. He knew Peter was going to deny Him. He knew Peter would be in dire straits. He knew Peter would be gripped in anxiety and despair. And what did He do? He prayed for Peter. Lord, keep them. Do you think he wasn't in agony and depression, despondency of spirit? you think he didn't have anxiety when his sweat became great drops of blood and fell down to the earth? <laughs> There's something sweet about being out on the storm and seeing him come for you. I've been there of you. <laughs> I mean, it's been dark. And you've wondered, where is he? The Scripture says, don't worry. That weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. So all we've got to do is just keep rowing the boat and hold on to the morning. The morning is going to break. I thought about even as our Lord was crucified. What a horrible, horrible day that was. It turned black. Black as night. You talk about adversity. I don't know about you. He said the bulls of Bashan was about him on the cross at Calvary. I've had hounds of hell. I've had hell hounds nipping at my heels on this journey. I don't know about you. I've been out in the deep, dark, scary ocean where the waves are crashing down and you think you're not going to survive and you're waiting and wondering where is he? And then all of a sudden you lift up your eyes and catch a glimpse of Him coming for you. Boy, that sweet peace. When He comes for you, He came just for them. Walked on the water just for them. Morning is coming. But I thought about it as they crucified Him. And His apostles went home and began to wonder, now what? Now what do we do? The One that we serve is dead. What do we do now? Well, there was only one thing they could do. They had to row the boat. <laughs> They had to do what He told them to do. And they had to, they had to take His teaching and what He had instilled in them. And even though He was dead, they had to continue to row the boat. But you know what? Eventually after a night of rowing, morning came. And at the breaking of day, 
everything changed. At the breaking of day, they got to the tomb and was told, He's not dead. He's alive. And He'll meet you in Galilee. I'm telling you, church, you're going to face things. Individuals, your marriages are going to face things. Satan, you hear me preach all the time, Satan is coming for your children. Could I make an amendment to that? He's coming for you and your home and your mamas and your daddies. He'll drive a wedge between you. I'm telling you, you're going to face storms of life. Row the boat until He comes. Hang on. We've got something worth hanging on to. This world is in trouble without the church. This world is sinking to the bottom without the church. And this world is hell on earth without the church. We've got something worth fighting for. We've got something worth rowing for. We've not yet reached that land. But now remember, as soon as he got into the boat, they were there. Can I leave you with something sweet this morning, at least to me? At least to me. We've rowed, and we've toiled, and we've labored, and it's been hard. The night sometimes is so long. You know there's coming a day in our dying hour and we're still rowing. See, he that endured, we as Baptists believe, only such as endure unto the end are saved. That's what the Scripture says, Matthew 24. He that endureth unto the end shall be saved. We believe in enduring to the end. Can I say, even when death finds you, you're still going to be rowing and toiling and laboring. But there's going to come a day as death is surrounding you and you know you're not long for this earth. And you can feel that. And your family knows that. Not everybody has this happen, but some do. When you know they've told you, and it's down to the end. Can I tell you what? Or even if you go suddenly, it'll happen just the same. He'll find you rowing your boat. He'll find you toiling and laboring. But there's going to come a day that He's going to come to you, and you're going to receive Him into you, and immediately, that quick, we're going to be where we started on this journey years ago. Sister Virginia said 62 years today. Do you know there's going to come a time he's going to crawl in that boat with her and immediately she's going to be where she intends to be. She's going to be at that land that quick. And so are you if you've been saved. That quick, immediately. Smooth waters from here on out. I believe at that point the apostles laid down their oars and I believe they just sailed on to the land. I believe that's the way it is. You just got to get through this storm first. And the only way you get through the storm is to row the boat and wait for Him to come. And when He comes, it'll be smooth sailing for a while. And then there might be another storm. But see, when the next storm comes, you'll have confidence because He brought you through it before and He'll do it again and again and again. So even though I don't understand the storms, I understand the purpose of them. I understand the purpose of the storms of life is for us to see the majesty of the one that walks and treads on the water. 
When the waves are over your head, they're under His feet. Just row the boat. One of the strangest things I've ever preached. That's what I've got for you today. Row the boat. Come ahead with a song.